and welcome to I Am Sitting on Your Hat, episode 11. I'm Troy. And I'm Andy, number 11. All right, so... Can I just say really quick? Yes. Just the happiest of birthdays to John Winston Ono Lennon. Oh, yeah. Who would have been 82 on this day. (laughs) And I just say that because... From the last couple episodes, you know, listening to music and going through music, mm-hmm. what would have been had he continued? Yeah. Would he have continued music? What would it have been? Would it have been like Paul McCartney where it would have been diminishing quality over the years? <laughs> <laughs> or would he have gone political? I don't know. But we'll never know, and that's yeah. a shame. But it is a shame. It's always something to remember on this day. So My... My guess, if I had to guess, is that he wouldn't have been, like, consistent, but he probably may have put out an album every five to ten years or something like that. Or I wonder if he would have gone recluse, like, say, Richard Carpenter of the Carpenters. Right. How he just disappeared from the public eye entirely. Right. Like he did in the Ruddles, his ver- the John Lennon version. <laughs> mm-hmm. He says he just turned his back on the world. It's like, yeah. you know, maybe. I don't know. Or that film yesterday that we saw. (laughs) He's out living on the beach, just living his life. Just painting. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, 82. I'm, if I'm lucky enough, I should be alive. uh, Let's see. To celebrate, not celebrate, let's see. He died in 1980. 1980. I was born in 1985. So if I live long enough... I'll be around for his 100-year <laughs> anniversary of his death. Yeah, that's, that'd be weird. That's great. That's a weird thought right there. That's great. But we still have Yoko. so Hey, no. we still have Yoko. <laughs> if you can take anything away from this, it's we still we have still Yoko. We still have Yoko, which, you know, just last thing really quick. I was – my illusions were shattered with Peter Jackson's movie – about what Yoko did or didn't do in the recording sessions. Yeah. Because you watch that, she just sat there. She sat there. Knitting, mm-hmm. playing with kids, just listening. The ones who were in the way were the kids and Linda McCartney. They were in the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was just sitting there. So, yeah. My apologies to Yoko for hating her all these years. <laughs> but she still sounds like crap. Well, so, yes. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forgive her for that nonsense. Um, but that kind of leads into what we're talking about today because last week we kind of dived in to, you know, music and which is more of your field of expertise. Right. So I thought it'd be interesting this week to kind of dive into my field of expertise, which is movies, which is films. Mm -hmm. And everybody always does, you know, if they're going to do a list show, which this one is. They'll do top 10 favorite movies of all time. Right. And like, we could do that, but I thought it'd be interesting to put a different spin on it and do movies that are not so much our favorite movies, but those that are intrinsically etched in our DNA. Right. Ones that have just kind of become a part of us over the years. Influential. Yes. And it's not, okay. again, it's not necessarily going to be our favorite movies of all time, but ones that mean a lot or ones that we constantly are quoting right and if you listen to this show we do that a lot yes and so you know some of these might very well be favorite movies yes. yeah 
but I can guarantee, you know, going through this list and and some of the ones I've come up with, at least one or two, I'd say two of these I've maybe seen once okay. and I'll never watch again. You know, but it it has hit me deeply mm-hmm. or affected me. I mean, one of these it's there's nothing deep about it, but <laughs> we'll get into it once I start talking about it, but anyway, we'll we'll get into that, but yeah. I'm I'm interested to hear your list cuz I'm pretty sure I I may know a couple, at least one for sure. Odds but are. Odds are yes. I'm, I'm curious about the rest. So um what we'll do we'll just kind of go back and forth here and if uh one happens to be on my list or one of mine have to be on your list just like oh that's on my list this is you know and we'll talk about it from there now for me i i couldn't list it from least influential to most no yeah it's it's they're all here yes but it's interchangeable from 10 to 1 i mean yeah yeah take it as it is yeah in no particular order right um so before we get started, let me just do a couple honor- honorable mentions. That's here. hilarious because I did the same thing. <laughs> Yet not surprising. <laughs> hilarious, but not surprising. Um, Home Alone. Okay. Uh, it's you know it's one that we've as a family watched every year at Christmas, pretty much ever since it came out. True. And you're talking the first one. The first one. Okay. Yeah. Second one. Yeah. It's Tim Curry. That's really that's, the only that's reason. That's re- yeah. That's the only reason <laughs> to watch it. And then uh, Back to the Future 3. Really? Yes. Because that is another one that I think I probably saw that one before I saw the first one or the second <laughs> one. Because we've had those on VHS forever. Yes. And Mom always watched Back to the Future 3. Sometimes one. She never watched two because she hated it. Right. I think it makes her uncomfortable. <laughs> so I remember as a kid laying on her floor <clears throat> in her room and watching Back to the Future 3. Well, she tends to like the Westerns. Yes. she She's a big Western fan. So, yeah. you know, that just kind of ticked all the boxes for her. So. so what are your honorable mentions? I do have three honorable mentions. Now, any other time couple months down the line these could be in the list proper but for right now i have three off the top of my head number okay. one of them was willy wonk in the chocolate factory okay sure for me just because and we're not talking johnny depp even though i i like that film you know contrary to popular opinion <laughs> i very much enjoyed it but the gene wilder is just a classic i will say with that film one of the Funnest times I've had, I remember now, watching that film with you and Blake and you guys just riffing on that film. And it that's was so why, funny. That's why I remember, yeah. <laughs> remember it too. It's just, my gosh, we would go off. Yeah. Just, just ad-libbing and put, yeah. yeah. It was like riff tracks yeah. live. And that's another reason why I really enjoy it. The second one is Wizard of Oz. Okay. Just because it's always around yes. i mean it has been since yes. 1939 and it you know growing up it was always around you know lds conference weekend around easter at mm-hmm. the same time in april it was always on tv yes and so that was always there. and then getting the chance to see the ruby slippers and smithsonian just oh was, that'd be cool it was fantastic extremely faded oh i'm sure I'm oh sure. my gosh it was just the red had almost gone gray mm-hmm. but it was Really cool to see. And then the third one for me, and and 
This is a weird one. Was American Psycho. That is a weird one. Okay. American Psycho, Christian Bale. If you haven't seen this movie, I wouldn't say run out and see it, <laughs> but if you're going to, prepare yourself. Yeah. Although it's not a gore fest, there is a lot of blood. Yes. Um, a little bit of cannibalism, some nudity, mm-hmm. a lot of language, and a lot of implied violence. Yes. And the reason it sticks with me is just for those reasons. Is I think that was one of the first movies I ever saw, you know, before the uh, you know the gore genre came into fruition mm-hmm. with movies like Saw and stuff like yeah. that, to where it was extremely graphic. Seeing this movie, it just it was shocking mm-hmm. to me. It wouldn't be so much now <clears throat> compared to what's out there. No, now, now it's pretty but, tame. Yeah, yeah. But having <laughs> Christian Bale just slaughter Jared Leto <laughs> with an axe, it's uh, you know spoiler alert. Sorry, yeah. but it happens. To the music of Huey Lewis. To the music of Huey Lewis. <laughs> and just, uh, yeah, it's it'll stick with you for sure. So Okay. Um, <clears throat> and I always enjoy the fact that Batman killed the Joker with an axe. That's hilarious. Yeah. Because I didn't connect that yeah. until you just said it. <laughs> That's funny. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into it here. All right. um, so I'll start with my number 10. Okay. My number 10 may be a film that maybe has a very famous people in it, but maybe not a lot of people have seen it. Um, it's one of those films where if somebody else has saw it, you have seen it, you're like, oh, that's that's so good, right? Why have nobody? <laughs> uh, Oscar. Oscar. Yes. Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Sylvester Stallone, Marissa Tomei, Tim Curry, um, others. <laughs> Peter <laughs> Rygart. Others. Peter Rygart, yeah. Uh, Harry Shearer, the lawyer. Kurt Wood Smith. Kurt Wood Smith. Yep. The lawyer from Jurassic Park that gets eaten. That's right. Yep. Uh, the guy that we affectionately call Squarehead. That's right. And he's he just recently died. He did. That's, yep. that's a shame. I think his name was Art Lafleur. Yes, that's him. Art the Flower. Yep, yep. Art the Flower. In French. Um, so why that one? Why? Because, again, it's another one, and this is going to be kind of a running thing. It's a movie I've watched as long as I can remember. Right. And I, I've since looked it up, and it's not one of Sylvester Stallone's most popular films. And it's not one that he enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember seeing him. They were doing this this show on boxing. He had something to do with boxing. And it was, it was almost like a tough enough kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they mentioned Oscar and how you know they didn't like it. And he said, well, imagine being in it, you know, kind of thing. So it's like, hmm. I guess he really didn't care for it, but I, which is I, a shame. Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I've I did scenes from that movie in drama class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I quote that movie all the time. I I have a lot of it, big chunks of it memorized. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just fun. it's like a play. It is like you could take that movie and put it on stage, and it's easily adaptable. Easily, yeah. There is nothing about it that you could not do just with sets mm-hmm. and very simple effects. Yeah, yep. And it's one of those comedy of errors, you know. Special Alone plays uh, Angelo Snaps Provolone, nineteen mm-hmm. thirties gangster who promises his dad he's going to go straight, he's going to clean up his life, and then uh, hijinks ensue. Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas, that's right. He's as in there the, too. As the dying dad. Had the massive stars, but for some reason, it just never <laughs> took off. I don't know why. I do remember. The one thing I remember is that I think 
it may have been in Oregon where they saw it on screen. I think Mom and maybe Guy yeah. and Dixie and whatnot, they saw it in the theater, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. But I didn't, of course. I've never seen it in the theater. No, it was just from the VHS. Yeah. That's all I've ever seen it. But Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. No, that's fantastic. Um, okay, for me, so the first one I'm going to mention is The Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Lord of the, of the Rings. Rings. Because, now for me, this was the first time that any series of movies, apart from, say, like Star Wars, mm -hmm. but the first Star Wars came out before I was born, so I couldn't, I didn't necessarily count that as, you know, taking this into account, but Fellowship of the Ring was the first series of movies that so deeply engulfed me in the lore okay. and in the world building from the get-go to where I was anxiously awaiting mm -hmm. for that next film the following year. Yes. And I was so involved in the characters. And the the little bit exposure I had to J.R. Tolkien's world was, I think I mentioned it before, in fifth grade, <clears throat> when I did a book report on Lord of the Rings, or on The Hobbit. The Hobbit, right. That was the only exposure I've ever had to that world before. And so then to get involved in this and just to be enthralled by it so mm. quickly, it's just, and, and I just watched it recently the other day and it's still as good as it was originally yeah. for me. So absolutely. That's, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons I, I mentioned it and it just from 2001, yeah. believe it or not, was that first one. Yeah. And they did, I going back to star Wars. They did a lot of like with the technology, like they're the first ones to do, you know, use certain technologies and, you know, uh, and to really take this materials really seriously. Oh, yeah. I mean, really seriously. And I'm not sure it could very well be this was the first time that, you know, for a, a series of three movies to be filmed back to yeah. back nonstop to where they were gone for how long? At least over a year, six oh, yeah. months yeah. of straight filming. Yeah, at least a year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it may have even been two, but just that was so impressive and you could tell that they were just thoroughly invested in it mm -hmm. and it's yeah. yeah and i respect that and so it's always been one of my favorites but that was like i said the first one that really brought me into a film's lore its world okay that i've ever really experienced like that so all right um and our, and our cousin <laughs> elijah wood is in yeah elijah, good old elijah's in it yeah um so it's it's funny that, that you mentioned Star Wars because that's number nine for me. Nice, the first one. Now, Empire Strikes Back is my all-time favorite movie. Okay, but Star Wars, it's one of the first. Again, it goes back. We had it on VHS forever. Oh yeah, but it's one of those where it was like my first introduction into like the nerd geek world. Like I don't. Obviously, I never lived in a world without Star Wars, and yeah. it's just because our older our older brother Guy was so um, invested in it. Oh yeah, that it's just always been around. Like just in the house, like I've always remember. Like it's it's just always been a memory I've had. Right. Yeah. And that's funny. You mentioned Guy. You mentioned memory. You mentioned Star Wars. And taken back to our music episode, there's a song. 
by the cars called Hello, Hello mm-hmm. Again, or something like that. That immediately takes me back to a memory with Guy and Star Wars shortbread cookies across the street. <laughs> and I don't know why. It It's vague, but it's okay. there. And me breaking a glass that I think came from McDonald's that was Return of the Jedi. Oh, that's a shame. And I, and I broke it. But. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with Guy, it's his bedtime story. I'm it not is. sure if it still is now. But he knows those movies inside now. Mm-hmm. But I'm like you. It's like it. Star Wars has always been. Yeah. Always. Yep. And continues on to this day. Yeah. Like I wish that I would have been able to see those movies for the first time in theaters. Right. Uh, I wish that I would have known. You know the whole Darth Vader plot and storyline and shock that he's Luke's father. Like I wish I could have seen that for the first time. But yeah. I just always knew. Yeah. Somehow, I've always known. Even just like Leia you, said. Yeah, even before you've seen the movie, you know that Darth Vader was Luke's father. Mm-hmm. You just knew. Yeah. Somehow, you knew. And to get a little sentimental about it, you know, Guy and I, there's a 14-year age difference. Yes. That's a huge gap. It is. And so, we don't have a lot of things particularly in common, but we can always talk Star Wars. That's true. And it's one thing that we've been able to really bond over mm-hmm. over the years. So that's another reason why it's a really important film. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. And looking up there's Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Yes. Not more than eight feet away yep. from us right now. And a Stormtrooper helmet right and there. Stormtrooper, see? Star Wars is everywhere. Everywhere. And really quick, I do remember <clears throat> going to the theater, the Cynodome in Riverdale, and seeing Return of the Jedi. Really? I don't. I'll, I'll take that. I don't remember seeing it, but I remember walking into the theater because they had a statue of Darth Vader up in the light fixture. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember Cinnadome's light fixture. I do. But it looks like it rained sometimes yes. through the lights. Yeah. And in that setup was Darth Vader. I remember that very clearly. I. It's just it's in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have been so young. At that was that was eighty three. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have been what less than five, six years old, but yeah. So like you, it's it's always been. Star Wars has always been. Yep. And always will be. And always will be. <laughs> so okay, so for me, my next one that I have on this list is The Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. Disney's Little Mermaid, nineteen eighty nine. Yes. And that's depressing to think about. <laughs> but the reason it is on my list, why this made my list is it was this movie that kindled i won't say rekindled but it kindled my love of disney and all things disney because <clears throat> i'd been to disneyland prior right and i'd seen other disney films but nothing that really stuck in my mind stuck in you know my memory or meant anything yeah but once Little Mermaid came out and it started the Disney renaissance, as it were. You know, before that, they had failed with the Black Cauldron. You know, they spat out Oliver and company that really didn't do anything. Great Mouse Detective. Great Mouse Detective. And so with the Little Mermaid, it then re, you know, restarted Disney. And seeing that film just really showed me what an animated film is right. and what it could be. Okay. And the music was great and and the story was just pleasant and and even 
you speak about riff tracking it. Again, Blake and I would watch this on his VHS copy of his house. And although it went slightly dirty, we would riff on this film as well. <laughs> but it was just so enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, to have two teenage boys watching Little Mermaid and just enjoying it thoroughly. Yeah. It's just it's just something I'll never forget. It's it's always in my memory. And that's why I really like Little Mermaid to this and day. There's a lot to make fun of in the Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. A lot of it just there you think is. about it, it a lot of it's very problematic and it a lot is. of it doesn't make any sense. Like no. just write your name, Ariel. <laughs> you know how to write. You sign the contract. Write your name. <laughs> she has such a hard time. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's all kinds of mistakes, and it's like Sebastian is a tiny, teeny crab. I mean, this is kind of off topic, but he's a small little crab. Mm-hmm. And there's at one point that Scuttle the seagull grabs him and gives him a noogie on top of his head, and he's, like, headlocking him. Like, yeah. And he's gigantic. And he's big. Yeah, he's, he's huge. he's huge. <laughs> Where just, like, in the previous scene, he's sleeping mm-hmm. on Ariel's pillow. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that those kind of things go on throughout the film, but... It's, it's just, like I said, it kicked off my love for all things Disney. You know, and following that, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, it's yeah. just Disney's, what I consider the golden age of sure. Disney's animation. So, An argument can be made that that movie really did kickstart, you know, the Disney uh, juggernaut that it's become. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's for sure. So. <clears throat> all right. Um... So my number eight, and this is going to be no surprise if you know me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, next to Star Wars, I don't think there's another movie <laughs> that has shaped me as a person than that than, than the first Ninja Turtles film. Yep. Um, I've seen it hundreds of times. Oh, easily. Easily. Um, and I thoroughly enjoy it every single time I watch it. You and I quote that movie back and forth all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, I've seen YouTube videos of, like, filming locations and, uh, you know, and it's just, it, it kicked off my, my love of Ninja Turtles and, and superheroes and, you know, can all be traced back to this Film. I don't know if I saw the cartoon series first or that movie first. That was good. Then my question: the cartoon series. I yeah. don't know. Um, well, they weren't that far apart. They weren't in as far as the timeline, as far as the cartoon being released followed by the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the cartoon only been around two or three seasons at that point. Yeah. And, but, and yeah. you can't you can't take away from the importance of the cartoon itself. Because up until that point, there had been no real cartoon that had influenced like toy makers yeah. and advertising as much as Ninja Turtles. If you want to look into a serious influence in pop culture, dive into Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think, until you get into it, you don't realize the effect they had. Yeah, Not only in how things are marketed to kids, but how you sell to kids. Yep. I mean, that... It's it's amazing what they did. So. Yeah, that, for a while there, especially in the early '90s, <clears throat> Ninja Turtles took over the world. Oh yeah, they really did. Yeah, I mean, Turtle Mania was a real thing. Yeah, I mean, from 
cartoon from TVs to movies to stage to everything, mm -hmm. and they were everywhere. And I remember that movie coming out as well. I was in middle school when that came out. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't think I ever saw the first one in the theaters. I have memories of seeing the third, unfortunately, <laughs> in theaters. The second, <sighs> you were with me and Cher. We saw it in the Cynodome. Was that the third one or was that the second one? That was one? the second one. The second one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was only <laughs> the three of us and like maybe two or three other people in that entire yeah. theater yeah. watching Ninja Turtles 2. And it's unfortunate because like you're saying, the first Ninja Turtles is great. Yes. And then it just kind of decreased. Talk about quality. diminishing returns. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't yeah. realize a lot of that is due to the fact, especially in the third one, that those costumes were no longer created by Jim Henson yeah. Creature Shop. Yep. It was an offshoot company that, you know, it was like glorified Halloween costumes yeah. is what they turned into. We're working on a budget. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but if you haven't seen that movie in a long time, it's not it's it's much more in line with the comic book. It's a little bit darker. It's kind of violent. Um they curse, you know, they're angry. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's what, it's what Ninja Turtles started out as. Right. And if they really want to change it up, maybe what it should go back to, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the comics are black and white and gritty and yes. Yeah. They're ninjas. Yeah. I mean, ninjas aren't supposed to be funny. No. They're, you know, no. they're not supposed to crack jokes and everything, but at the same time, they're also angsty teenagers. Yeah. But they're also brothers, and yeah. as brothers, they have a good time, and you know, so they're, you know, it's them finding themselves and finding their attitudes mm -hmm. and working with each other and a father figure that they gotta, you know, learn from, and yeah. yeah. So. And it was always weird to me that they all live down in the sewer of New York, Manhattan, and yet only one has your stereotypical New York accent. <laughs> The other is like some surfer dude. Yep. One is like really like Leonardo is always kind of soft spoken and very kind of high pitched, and, and Donatello is just uh, Corey Feldman. He's so Corey Feldman. Yep. Yeah, I thought that was kind of odd, but that is odd. <clears throat> that was odd. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's my that's my number eight. All right. So for me, the next one, um, in line with superheroes, which might be. I think this is my only other superhero one. The Dark Knight. Okay. So, right. again, it's another Christian Bale yep. vehicle. Maybe that's a running theme yeah, here. It seems to be. But um, The Dark Knight. So we're talking 2008, second of uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman film. Yes. Heath Ledger obviously just owned this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like even Christian Bale acknowledges this. Yeah. He's like, you know, you just have to resign yourself to the fact people are going to go see this movie for him, mm -hmm. not for Batman. <laughs> no, Batman's a secondary character. Exactly. And and that's usually the lore. The Unfortunately, the villains are usually the more interesting characters, yeah. especially when it comes to Batman. Yeah. Because Batman, if you look at him, really, he's, he's almost like a two-dimensional character. He's the angry young man that grew up trying to, you know, avenge his parents' death. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Whereas the villains are so much more varied. They have so much more stories as to how they became the way they are and why they are. And 
And that's what I appreciate about Dark Knight is that Joker was evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah, he, he just was, shows up and he's just chaos. He was not sympathetic. He was not a sympathetic villain. He no. didn't have this tragic backstory <laughs> that we know of, which I really like about the Joker. I don't want his backstory. Mm-hmm. It's like he's there just to do what he does. Yeah. I mean, he says it in the film. He's a dog chasing cars. You know, do I look like <laughs> a guy who has a plan? Yeah. It's like he just does things, and that's fantastic. And and that's what really – and you talk about a movie that I quote – a lot mm-hmm. and that's Heath Ledger's Joker okay or if I'm walking around work and I have my little box cutter I'm sitting there flipping a, a knife around <laughs> like he does mm-hmm. like he has that little blade all the time mm-hmm. you know and uh it's just it's ingrained into my brain and it and it really showed me what a superhero film could do yeah and you know how it can come across and it's just it, it was just amazing and and that's the one film that really, or one of the many that upped from the original, I think. Dark Knight, I feel, was a million times better than Batman Begins. Yes. I mean, it just, they ramped it up. Yes. And it was fantastic. So, <clears throat> Yeah, that, that Joker has become, and that role has become uh, just iconic at this point. There was even a write-in uh, a kind of a thing to have Warner Brothers no longer have it cast or have anybody else play that part ever. It's like, well, you can't. how it's gone, (laughs) I don't, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they should have. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, it's Batman. Yeah. I mean, and really, if you're going to tell a Batman story, eventually you're going to have to come around to the Joker. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Now, I don't appreciate it being shoehorned in, a.k.a. Robert Pattinson, yeah. the Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if you want to go off and tell a story like um, Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. you know, Joker, yeah. then great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to make your way around. But, yes, he is – Heath Ledger's Joker is the benchmark, I feel, that for live-action Jokers. Yeah. That's what everybody's going to judge it on. Yes. I think. I saw that movie in theaters six times, I think. Did you? Yeah. Yep. First time was in IMAX. Um, then the subsequent times were just in a normal theater. But, yeah, I wasn't going to see Batman. That's that's for sure. And you talk about why this movie is influential. It this That was the only reason I saw I Am Legend. The Will Smith movie is because it had the first fifteen minutes <laughs> right, right. of the Dark Knight yep. in front of it. Yep. And and like you, I think that was that may have been the first movie I saw in IMAX mm-hmm. ever was that film. And it was a spectacle. Yes. When they shot that that the cable out from that building across the street and you saw them slide across it, it took you in like you were there. Mm-hmm. I had never seen anything like that. And this was fairly recent. Like I said, this thing came out in 2008. Yeah. It's not like it was that long ago. But up until that point, I'd never experienced that. Right. And so that's why, you know, I, I really thoroughly enjoy this film. Still. You know, it's been 14 years now. Exactly. And it still holds up. Yeah. It's, it's aging just fine. Yeah. You know, you could, they could release it now. Oh, sure. And it would be, you know, just as successful, I think. I do wonder, though, if... 
that movie would have been as big if Heath Ledger hadn't had passed away. You know, I think it still would have been successful. Yes, for sure. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think it would have had the audience that it did. Mm -hmm. Because, now, everybody says it was like Heath Ledger's last performance, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Because yeah. there was another movie he did after that, uh, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Yes. That, I guess, technically was his last role. But nobody said they're going to go see that because it's his last role. No. They just took The Dark Knight as his last role and then just kind of ignored <laughs> that that film. But yeah, it definitely, that was a big reason, yeah. to, a big push for its success. Well, and the marketing to that movie was crazy. Oh my gosh. I've never seen a movie right. since where the marketing has just been, it was everywhere. It coined the phrase viral marketing. Yeah. Because you, if you went into it, you could go to website after website, mm -hmm. find hint after hint. Just so you can find a little behind-the-scene photo. Yes. And it just, it went on and on for months. Yeah. You know, you could find, a, you know, a little secret clip and hear Heath Ledger's Joker laugh and mm -hmm. things like that. And it was insane. Yeah. That they spent so yeah. much time making actual websites <laughs> that, you know, I don't think yeah. exist anymore, but just for that sole purpose, for marketing purposes. So. Well, and if you think about it, you'd never seen... A live-action Joker since Jack Nicholson. That's true. That's how long that had been. So people were just dying to see what this new live-action Joker was going to yep. look like. And in between, you had Mark Hamill's fantastic oh, yeah. voice acting yes, performance yes, as the yes, Joker. Yes. And so <laughs> you talk about comparison. You had Jack Nicholson to compare to for live-action, but you had Mark Hamill's laugh that people right. were expecting. It's right. like, if you're going to be the Joker, now you got to live up to Mark Hamill's laugh. Yes. Because that's what you hear when yep. you hear the Joker laugh. So, Yeah, you had, you had Cesar Romero <laughs> in 66. Yes. Which, mm, mm, mm. And, and then... The mustache Joker. Yeah. And then it was another 20 years and we got Nicholson. And then like another 20 years that we got Heath Ledger. Yep. And now it's like a Joker every year, but... Yeah. Anyway. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. They need to back off. Batman has a lot more villains. Focus on those. Yes. So. Yes. For a bit. <laughs> yeah. Let's see a movie with the Mad Hatter. <clears throat> yeah. There you go. <laughs> or Man Bat. Let's do or that. Or Clayface. Clayface. Clayface would be fantastic. Clayface would be cool. Yeah. He really would. And I think, I, I wish they would have done Scarecrow better, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could have been a lot more terrifying. I don't mind Cillian Murphy, but he did not do scarecrow justice in my opinion yeah anyway. <laughs> um well then my number seven batman from 1989 <laughs> nice <laughs> <laughs> um yeah talk about you know iconic film um now people look at it now and it's 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 a little campy a little bit but if you look at it from where it was this was kind of taking Batman back to its roots because before that you had Adam West, Biff Powell on the criminals. <laughs> it was kind of like that in the comics too, but it wasn't yes. until uh, The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book from Frank Miller, uh, Tim Burton's Batman, that really took Batman back to being dark, being right. brooding, which is that's how he started. Yeah. Uh, like the Ninja Turtles. Yep. Um, 
I mean, every every frame of that movie is iconic. Every performance is iconic. Every line is quotable. Every line, yep. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's funny because even though it is so iconic, I think the only three actors you remember from that, Kim Basinger, Jack Nicholson, and... Um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Gosh, is his name. <laughs> Take that back. He is memorable. Sorry. <laughs> it's just early in the morning and it slipped my mind. But those are the three people you remember. Yeah. Even though, like you said, every scene and every line is memorable, mm -hmm. you'll be hard-pressed to name anybody else from that film. Really. I mean, what are you going to say? Robert Wool? Robert Wool. Yeah. Jack Palance? Is. Jack Palance. Yep. Yeah, so he's often you forget he's in yeah. there. Yeah, he's not in it for too long, but yeah, he's he's in there. <laughs> Bob the Goon. Bob the Goon. See, he's he's achieved cult status at this point, and he is such a tragic figure. Poor Bob. He is poor Bob. I mean, he was right there. Just oh, he, <laughs> man, <laughs> he did everything right, mm -hmm. and he was just there every time. That just gets blown. Away. It just gets gunned down. <laughs> just oh. Uh, just in a in a sad moment. But. Yeah, but that's that's another movie I watch every year, at least once every year, and have yeah. for as long as I can remember. And when that movie came out, it received a lot of criticism. It did. You know, not only because of Michael Keaton's casting, but they knew it was going to be darker, and nobody wanted that because they got so used to the Adam West version. Yeah. It's like, well... This is Batman. It's supposed to be. It's like, yeah. no, it's not no. supposed to be that. No. This is an angry man yeah. who, who saw his parents die. Yes. You know, this is all about, he is vengeance. Mm -hmm. He is vengeance. <laughs> he is the knight. He is Batman. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's. Yes, now you look at it, and it's obviously it's all shot on, like, two sets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gotham City seems very, very, very small, but it doesn't matter because it's just, it's it's so iconic, and it's, it's like I said, the performances are so good, and it's just a fun film. It is. It is. And, and this is the one instance, when we talk about the Joker, that I don't mind seeing that as kind of a type of backstory for him. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily sympathetic. It's like he was a gangster that kind of got what he deserved. Right. But then it just kind of ramped up his evilness. Mm -hmm. I mean, because he was evil before that. You know, he was Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is evil. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, he didn't have this tragic backstory of, you know, oh, now we feel bad for him. It's like, no, he was doing something illegal. Yeah. He, he took a misstep and... He ended up being even more evil now. Yep. So, <laughs> and it's so funny that uh, it just goes to show you that even then, people, you know, thought that they could cast the movie better than the studio. It was like Michael Keaton; he could never be Batman. Yeah, Mr. Mom. Yeah, what? Christian Bale; he could never be Batman. Robert Pattinson, Ben <laughs> Affleck; he can't be Batman. Yep. Yeah. I'd say at this point, if you hear a casting, just wait for the movie to just come wait out for it because yep. yeah. Because, like you, speaking of that, when I first heard that it was going to be Christian Bale, I immediately went back to my other movie, American Psycho, mm -hmm. and I'm like, 
the guy from American Psycho? <laughs> yeah. The guy from Newsies? Yeah, yeah. The kid from Newsies yeah. is going to be Batman? <laughs> so, yeah, I I kind of felt that, but, wow, quickly proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. So. I think the only one was like, oh, Jack Nicholson's the Joker? Yeah, that fits. Yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as early as, like, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and before that, he had an evil, mm-hmm. smiling face. The yeah. Shining. Yep. I mean, he was just... He has that look, and so I think that was very much typecast and and very appropriate. Yeah. So. All right. So the next one for me, um, on my list is Avengers Endgame. Okay, very recent. Very. So we're talking 2019. Yeah. Which is surprising because I swear it'd been out a lot longer than that. Just a couple of years. Now, the reason it's on this list for me is because, like Lord of the Rings, this is a film that I was so invested in. Yeah. Because we're talking over a decade mm-hmm. of character and world building, movie after movie. And finally, in Avengers, when they all came together, it was fantastic. But once you hit Infinity War, you had become so invested in these characters' lives mm-hmm. that you believed Robert Downey Jr. was Tony Stark. Right, yeah. I mean, he was no longer Robert Downey Jr. He's not. He was Tony Stark. Yes. You know, Chris Hemsworth is Thor. Yes. I mean, you know, everybody. I don't think there's a weak link among this casting unless you want to go Gwyneth Paltrow, but she was, you no, know, yeah. still. Yeah. I mean, she played her part <laughs> fine. But... uh you know, so once they got, you know, spoiler, if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't, shame on you. Yes. When they got snapped away, when they got dusted, if you didn't break down and cry or just oh. leave that theater in shock yeah, for inf- Angry. Infinity War, yeah. then there's something wrong with yeah. you. Because everybody, I remember clearly seeing that film, and when it ended, it was silent. You're like, what just yeah. happened? Yeah. I remember people yelling in my screening. People yeah. were yelling at the screen. Yeah. And, and when people started disappearing, people were yelling and saying no and how and yeah, why. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's like, you know, people were crying. Yeah. And it, but the reason I picked Endgame over that is because there, for me, is no other iconic scene than when the portals open. Yep. And they all come back. Yep. Oh, my gosh. If you weren't emotional at the end of Infinity War, you were now when they all came back. When you got the silhouette of, like, Black Panther and Shuri and Mm -hmm. everybody coming back, you're like, oh. Yep. And it was amazing. It was a feeling that I'd never experienced in any other film. Oh, and the the cheer that that got. Oh, yeah. It lasted for... That that entire scene, basically. You missed any line of dialogue yep. because the crowd was just <laughs> extremely loud. And, yeah. and they couldn't help it. Yeah. Because like you and everybody else, they had been invested for over a decade yep. in these characters. And that says a lot about just the film and how it was written. Yeah. And, you know, and, and how to tell a story and suck you in. And, um, you know, then when... When uh, Captain America got Mjolnir, mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, yep, 
there was just it was nonstop, <laughs> and it was just feeling after feeling of mm-hmm. elation and excitement, and you wanted to stand and cheer and <laughs> clap, and yeah, yeah, it was just I'd never experienced that in another film, ever. And, and it'll I'm be a long sure time before you ever do again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they're right now. I mean, trying to build into the Kang Dynasty <laughs> and stuff like that, but yeah. <clears throat> Are they going to take another 10 years to build it up? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, they're looking to, you know, throw this in in the next year or so. It's like, but you don't have that time now. Right. To have everybody invest into what it was. Yeah. And you could try to start again, but those of us who have been around since that beginning, you know, that story was told. Right. You know? Yeah. Those of us that walked into Iron Man in 2008, <laughs> we're like, Robert Downey Jr. and all Iron that, Man, Iron Man, a like, C-level Marvel hero. Exactly. Okay. It's like, and, and don't let anybody fool you. They were not an Iron Man fan prior. No, no, nobody was to this film. Nobody cared about Iron Man. No. It was Batman. It was Superman. It was yep. the big names. I mean, really, let's be honest. Nobody knew about the Avengers. They were not. Yeah. A huge superhero team. You know, I mean, Captain America, yeah, you knew who he was, but he was, prior to those films, you would not put him on Superman's and Batman's level. No. You just wouldn't. No. Or Spider-Man, for that, for yeah. that if you want to stick with Marvel, but, yeah. And so, that's all the credit to, again, that storytelling, to bring all these other characters that were not, to this point, important enough to even mention... Mm-hmm. But now you look at them and you can't imagine comics without them. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Yeah, they started with Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. That started off the MCU. Those two films. Yeah. Like, okay. And that's shocking yeah. that, that it became as successful as it did. I mean, Iron Man was fine. Yeah. I, I enjoyed that. But Incredible Hulk, I mean, it's it now is to a point you either like that movie or you strongly dislike yeah. that movie. I won't say hate. Because I like that it, movie. Yeah. It's fine performances. I mean, I love Edward Norton in almost anything he does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, it's <laughs> it's fine. We'll yeah. say it's passable. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah, going to make yeah, my yeah. list. We'll say that. Fair so. enough. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on to my next one, The Mask. With Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yep. Not Eric Stoltz. No, and no, Cher. not Mask. No. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I mentioned it on uh, episode previous. This movie came out when I was in fourth grade, wow. and it was one of the first impressions I did. And the the teacher thought it was funny, so she let me do it um, several times. <laughs> um, was it smoking? I did all the lines. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty then. Yeah. Oh, that's more Ace Ventura, but yeah. Um, but it's just I remember seeing the movie. It might have been no, it wasn't my first introduction in Jim Carrey because I was in Living Color. <laughs> watching that with you. <laughs> um, but it, it was a it was the first time I saw kind of saw a movie that was. Kind of like a living cartoon, basically, which is what the mask is. Yes, literally, he's a living cartoon. Yeah, and you know, so I had all these people that I recognized. I had Peter Rygart from Oscar. There you go. Um, like, oh, I know that guy. The first time we saw Cameron Diaz, when she still had meat on her bones. Yeah, yeah. 
lot more attractive. Yes, in my opinion. <laughs> um, the 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 guy that gets killed, the doctor, he was from an old TV show that you and I used to watch. It was a math show. What was it called? Oh my gosh, uh, Square One. Square One. Was it Square One? I think it was Square One. It may this have been. old obscure math math show. It was like a math variety show basically yes kind of like a sesame street but it was math yes yeah yeah i think you're yes you are right yeah yep and he was on that so i kind of recognized him (laughs) and it's like uh, okay it it was just it was a movie that I, i remember being very excited when mom brought home the vhs like yes finally i can watch it again Because I I enjoyed it so much. And it was a guy that, you know, as an adult, he's super obsessed with cartoons, which I don't know how that is. (laughs) Being obsessed with animation as an adult. I don't know. That's weird. Um, But yeah, just a guy down on his luck that gets these great powers. And, you know, it's just. uh, Does it come with great responsibility? Not with him. Not Not with him. Not so much. No. Not so much. And there's so many. You know, jokes that I didn't get until I was an, <laughs> an adult. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. And now it's become such a, it's it's so like Jim Carrey, like it's become a very like cliche performance of Jim Carrey's. But, you know, at the time it was, it was really fun. It was really enjoyable. That was his kind of breakout role. Yeah. I mean, prior to that, he did. You know, I think uh, Once Bitten, where he became a vampire, and Earth Girls Are Easy. Which right. Is, if you haven't seen that, oh, don't boy. bother. Yeah, don't don't watch that. <laughs> Unless you want to see him in this weird fuzzy-looking costume. but He and Jeff obscure. Goldblum and Jeff. Damon Wayans. Was it Damon Wayans? Yep. I couldn't remember if it was Damon Wayans or Tommy Davidson, one of the two. I think Gina Davis? Was she the girl? She was the girl. The Easy Earth the, the Girl. The Easy Earth Girl? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was Gina Davis. <laughs> I think I saw that once like on a Saturday afternoon on like some obscure cable channel. Yeah, I, I still think, don't get it. I, I don't get I, it either. I couldn't give you the plot of that film. I had no idea. But, yeah. Yeah, that was I think that was the world's uh really first exposure to what Jim Carrey could do as yeah. far as a comedian. Yep. And that's also based on the comic book. That's a very, very early comic book adaptation. Yes. Very violent. Oh, <laughs> very violent comic book. Oh, my gosh. I mean, when he turns that balloon into a Tommy gun in the comics, yeah, he blows them away. Yes. I mean, they don't just run away. Yeah. He just, he annihilates yeah. them. So. He's crushing people's heads with mallets and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mask is not a hero in the comic books. No. I mean, the most you get in the movie is when he goes back to the to the body shop, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and inserts the mufflers, right? But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's similar to what he did in the comics, just way toned down. So yeah, yeah. It would have gone in the comics. That muffler would have gone all the way through them. Oh yeah, back yeah. out their mouth. Yep. And, yeah, they wouldn't have survived that. No, they wouldn't have laughed and you know call a proctologist. They'd you know call the morgue. Because yes, they're gone. <laughs> And also, oh, it has that actor in there who was who died. What's his name? He was the platypus man. He was Jim Carrey's buddy in that film oh, that also worked at the bank. Yeah, yeah. 
I wish my daddy owned a bank. That's right. What was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys that was in a lot of stuff, like, early on, like, early in the 90s, then he just kind of disappeared, well, because he died. Yeah. Committed like, suicide. Did he? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. I think it was in the shower. Committed mm. suicide. But, uh, like him and, like, Bruno Kirby, like, all of a sudden, they just kind of oh, disappeared. Bruno Kirby. Poor Bruno Kirby. Yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, it also has a a very memorable version of Cuban Pete. Yes, in that film, the soundtrack is fantastic. Yeah, I still listen to it to this day. Yep, Royal Crown Review, Hey Pachuco mm-hmm. is a fantastic song, and I didn't realize it's actually them that are performing it in the film. Yeah. <laughs> it's the actual band. So, but yeah, that that drum intro is iconic for yep. me. So. Definitely quotable a lot. Well, all of Jim Carrey's lines are quotable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, all right. So I think I'm going to skip this this one and keep that for later. But okay, let's go to my next one, which is from 1988, the golden year of 1988. 88 and okay. the Great Outdoors. That's on my list. Is it? That's my that's my next movie. Fantastic. Great and Outdoors. So, so for you, why would the Great Outdoors be on your list? That again, it goes back to like everything I've been saying. It's a film that I grew up watching. Yes, had I you know actors I knew, mm-hmm. um, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's a very um, family oriented. It's a very I would call it a very fun film. It's a it very is. fun movie. It is. Um, you know, if, if you had a family that went on, you know, vacations that, that went, you know, to these cabins and you had this like a crazy uncle, crazy rich uncle, which yep. we had for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was so relatable. And yep. it's just it's it's a lot of fun. It is. And and even if you had like a, a more intrusive relative. Yes. You're like, oh, is he coming to oh. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know? he wasn't invited, but he's coming anyway. Okay. For me, it, it's it's always stuck out, not only because it's extremely quotable. I mean, almost every, almost every film on my list is quotable. Some of it you don't want to quote. Right. I mean, there are no quotes really from American Psycho apart from the Huey Lewis quote. Maybe. Right, right, right. But uh, The Great Outdoors, like you said, it's, it's a family-friendly comedy. Mm-hmm. And for me, it sticks out because... On one of my birthdays, I ended up getting three separate copies of that film on VHS. <laughs> That's funny. Blake bought me one. Yeah. I think Mom bought me one, and I got one from a cousin, I think. Mm-hmm. And I got three copies of this film. <laughs> and up until that point, I don't think I'd seen it for a while, but I, I did constantly quote it, and I, yeah. always, I always referenced it. But uh, it, it's just, it's a movie for me that... It, it just puts me in a state of calm. Yes. I mean, it's enjoyable. Yes. I can just sit down and just enjoy it. It's a feel-good movie. It is. Yep. It's it's very pleasant, and it's very funny. And uh, one of John Candy's best performances, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So Utah's and own Bart the Bear. Bart the it. Bear. <laughs> and, and classic Dan Aykroyd. Yes. What I consider to be classic Dan Aykroyd, the kind of 
attitude and characters I wish I would have seen more of him as. The fast-talking, uh, smarmy, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, the shyster kind of, yeah. you know, rip-you-off kind yep. of individual. So, uh, yeah, it's it's it'll always be on my list. It's always quotable. <laughs> and uh, it just... It just makes me happy, like I said. Yeah. And and John Candy is just fantastic. He carries that film. He does. And so. Yeah. And uh, what I, what I also like about it, I like the family, the family dynamics, the relationships. Right. Like yeah, the the two brothers that that had to deal with the creepy cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the the sisters that connected the two, you know, brother in laws. I mean, that's all. It's so relatable. It is. You know. Yeah, even from the very first scene, it's a family in a car. They're all singing mm-hmm. together, just going on vacation. Yep, you know. And then you, <laughs> when they get there, the teenage boy is like, "Well, this is it, huh? okay." Well, yeah. But he makes the best of it. He doesn't. He never hates on what they're doing. No. You know, he he finds things to enjoy. Obviously, he goes out looking for a girl mm-hmm. or you know whatnot. But. Uh, yeah, it, like you said, it, it's a very relatable, yes. relatable film. So, and if you don't recognize the line, if you meet any friends, bring them back and give them a ride and suck my wake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go watch that film. <laughs> give them a ride and suck my wake. So <laughs> Blow some coin on a jet boat. <laughs> a pontoon boat. What are you going to do with a pontoon boat? Retake Omaha Beach. Gave <laughs> <laughs> her oh, world class goose with the pool cue, Buck. <laughs> so, like I said, it's very quotable. Yes, yes, it's a fantastic film. Highly recommend that film. Um, and and it's a movie that you just you don't get anymore. No, they don't really make movies like that. They don't. Like it wouldn't be considered a blockbuster. Like then no. that's really all they want to make now. And if if it was released, it would be like a. DC E level comedy. I mean, I don't think Yeah. If you were to show it to somebody like say a 17 year and 18 year old now, unless they have a very good sense of humor, I don't think they're going to get much laughter out of mm-hmm. it. I mean, they'll get a couple chuckles. But unless you've grown up with it and you can appreciate what Dan Aykroyd and John Candy did and yeah. who they were. Yeah. You know, um that's when you're really going to enjoy yep. it. So The Bald-Headed Bear of Clare County. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I can skip past that one then, <laughs> and then go on to my next one, Three Amigos. The Three Amigos. Yep. Fantastic. When did that come out? I want to say 87, five, <laughs> six, five. Between 85 and 87, you think? I think it was 86. I want to say okay. 86. Um, But you had... These three comedians, Martin Short's first film that he ever did. Was it really? Yeah. See, I was not aware of that. Yep. First time he ever met Steve Martin was on oh, wow. was on that film. Um, you know, these three that three guys that would become I you know, these comedic legends, although Steve Martin and Chevy Chase kind of were in there at the time. Yeah. Uh and you know, it's it's kind of a spoof on that um, that old uh, Seven Samurai trope where, you know, like everybody does. Like A Bug's Life did it. It's like you have this, this village that is in trouble. Right. 
and they go and find what they think are heroes, <laughs> but are actually just three actors. Right. Um, and it's just it's. It's a lot of fun. There, there are some fan, some oddly fantastical moments because you have a singing bush and an <laughs> invisible right. swordsman, which is a very odd part of that film. It is. It's like, is, is this a supernatural yeah, kind of thing? It's, <laughs> it's like, why is this real? Why is this real in yeah, this film? Yeah. This is something that actually exists here. Yeah. But when, uh, I mean, you know, it's it, again, talking about an extremely quotable film. Oh yeah. Um, when Steve Martin's up on that wall trying to get their attention, <laughs> look up here! Look up here! <laughs> hey, look. hey, you, you too! <laughs> look up yeah. here, up here! And it makes me laugh every oh time I gosh. watch it. Yep. Um, even though I, I'm not a big fan of Chevy Chase personally, and that's fine because I'm not a huge fan of Martin Short. Yeah. So but they work. They do work. Those three together. work so well together. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you have uh, uh, Jef Jefe. You have... Uh, El Guapo. El Guapo. Which, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, translates to the handsome one. It does. So, it does. Which is funny, considering who's playing El Guapo. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't consider him a classically handsome individual. Uh, but. Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's again, it's another movie that's just fun to watch. You know, it's it is. it's a feel good film. You can just watch it and sit back and just just enjoy. That's true. Yep. And and let me ask you this: not to start anything weird here, okay? But would this kind of film play out today? I mean, with with this with this surge of a lot of people saying, you know. Unless you are, you know, Latin American, yeah. you cannot play a Latin American character. Unless you're German, you cannot play a German character. I mean, you look, yeah. they play three, as it says in the film, wealthy Spanish landowners, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. played by Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. <laughs> I mean, the three whitest men <laughs> maybe ever lived. As as wealthy Spanish landowners, yeah, I mean, would that play out today? Even if it, even if it brought out as a comedy, yeah, not to be taken seriously, would it be to use the lingo of the day canceled today? I think by a certain group of people, yes, but I think because it is a comedy and because it takes place in the 1920s, right, where they did that sort of thing, right. you see. Th it's almost like they were spoofing that whole genre anyway. True. So there would be, I'm sure there'd be people, maybe even back when it was made, that yeah. had a problem with it. But, um, and I mean, when, when they get to Mexico and, and the Mexicans see how ridiculous these three guys are, <laughs> I think a lot of that might be forgiven. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, it definitely plays up to how it happened at the time. I mean, you just had white characters yep. playing everybody. Everybody. I mean, nowadays, everybody is more accessible, so mm -hmm. you can you know get whatever you want. But yeah, it's one of those films where again, you you know the cast, but they don't really you don't see them anywhere else except for those three. Right. It's like you don't really. Where did the rest of the cast go? Yeah. Where did the kid go? Yeah. Where where did his his sister go? 
I think it was her, his sister. It was his sister. Yeah. It was his sister. Or El Guapo. I think I saw him in one other movie, but I can't even remember what it was. He's in Romancing the Stone. Is that what it was? Yes. And that's the only other film I've ever seen him in. <laughs> uh, the German was, again, Oscar. Oscar. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he was the chauffeur in Oscar. That's right. But it's, it just all just kind of disappeared they did. after that film. What's funny, fun fact, um, what, was, what was her name? What is her name in the film? The sister's, the sister's name. Uh, oh, I don't remember. Just lost it. Anyway, the, the, the main lady in the film that brings the three amigos down, yeah. she actually was the receptionist, the dead receptionist in Beetlejuice. She was the was woman that her? behind the counter, behind the window, that told oh, him to take funny. a number. That was her. I had no idea. I had no idea. That was her. That was the only other film that that I actually knew her from. Huh. I'm trying. To, what was her? Hang on. Name? I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. All right. Uh, Three Amigos cast. Um, Carmen. Carmen. Patrice Martinez. There you go. Yep. Yep. She was the uh, receptionist in Beetlejuice. Oh, and this I forgot. Randy Newman was the singing bush. <laughs> forgot about that. Are you the singing bush? <laughs> Which is such a funny joke. It's like, of course it's the singing He's, bush. It's a bush that's singing. Yes, it's the singing. <laughs> and they spent so long. Are you the singing bush? <laughs> Oh man, kills me! And just this, uh, it, he tries to make it so obvious, like you shot the invisible swordsman. Yeah. I mean, okay, how was I supposed to know where he was? You were supposed to shoot up. We both shot up. It's like living with a six-year-old. Oh man! <laughs> but again, most of these movies extremely quotable, and and I wouldn't say for me the Three Amigos would make it on my. Favorite movies of all time list. Yeah. But when it's on and or somebody's watching it, you enjoy it. Yep. And and yep. it's just fantastic. Chevy Chase really at the height of his powers. Yes. Apart from Fletch and National Lampoon, that's what he's known for. Yep. So <sighs> All right. That's hilarious. What do you got next? And uh My Little Buttercup. Well, sure. Fantastic yeah, yeah. performance. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next one for me, again, another movie from the late 80s. Sure. Um, classic Tom Hanks vehicle, which is 1989's The Burbs. Oh, I didn't, why didn't I put that on my list? <laughs> I should put I that on my list. I absolutely love The Burbs. Yes. If, if you have not seen this movie, please watch it. Do yourself a favor because you have Carrie Fisher, bless her, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. she just... She plays <laughs> just a kind of sarcastic but still loving housewife to a T. Mm -hmm. I mean, you watch this and you think that's how she is in real yeah. life. You Exasperated would think, housewife. You would think that's yeah. how she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was just perfect in it. And and Tom Hanks as as her husband taking time off from work and you know the uh, the goofy next door neighbor and it's just it is just a movie that I wouldn't say is extremely quotable. I mean, there are lines from it, sure, but it's just another movie that you look at it as kind of a comedy slash 
thriller kind of it does kind of go into that yeah a little bit it's 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 a low-key thriller Mm -hmm. because it is about you know kind of a a haunted house kind of with a creep with the creepy neighbors Mm -hmm. and you know disappearances and possible murder and everything but it's played up as a straight comedy slapstick yep and uh it's fantastic so and again going back to one of your actors from the list Corey feldman Feldman. and um rick duckerman is in it tom hanks carrie fisher talk about Um, another guy who just kind of disappeared rick rick and he's i think he died i think he died too. yeah but (laughs) bruce dern bruce dern Oh my gosh! Apart from Bruce Dern's classic Western performances, this is yeah. the epitome for me for Bruce Dern. If you're gonna quote anybody from that film, you're gonna quote him. Oh yeah, because ah, he he's... has the lines that you will remember. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, a quick rundown: Tom Hanks' character Ray takes time off work just to spend some time at home. Creepy neighbors move in, and he and his friends try to figure out what they're up to yep because it seems like they're doing some shady stuff which they end up actually are yes but uh courtney Gaines is in it as uh the only other movie i remember him from is memphis bell um as a pilot but he plays the red-haired creepy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) creepy kid but uh it came with the frame it came with the frame Oh, there go the goddamn brownies. He <laughs> goes, Sonny, a little something for the old sweet tooth. <laughs> oh, uh, man. So, yes, it's 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 another movie that I've watched consistently. I've watched with you. Yes. I've, I've watched with Blake, and we just quote. All of us quoted it nonstop, yep. even to this day. And it's just, do yourself a favor. If you haven't seen The Burbs, if you haven't seen it for a while, rewatch it. Yeah. And you'll just enjoy it just as much as, as before. So the only other movie I remember Rick being in was Blank Check. Blank Check? Uh-huh. From the early nineties. Groundhog Day. Oh, that's right. He was in Groundhog Day. Yep. He played one of the drunks. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One yeah. of Bill Murray's buddies. <laughs> no tomorrow. There could be no concert. We could do whatever we wanted. That's right. I forgot he was in that. That's right. <laughs> um Phil, well, like the groundhog, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> Surprised that wasn't on my list. Um, like I said, this list is is very, you know, it can be very varied. Yes, if you you know ask us a few months down the line. So, um, and it's funny that you brought up about you know the the gal that was in Three Amigos. My next one is Beetlejuice. Nice. Uh, it's another one with what's his name. <laughs> Yeah. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. <laughs> Whatever his name is. I don't know. You know that guy. He's kind of disappeared. Yeah, no one knows what happened to him. Um, Seemed like he had a promising career. <laughs> but it's, I think it's Tim Burton's second film. And, but this like was. A directed film? That yes. He did? Okay. Because his first one was Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. <laughs> Which is really weird when you think about it. I often forget that, but but this this is the second one where he just went like full Tim Burton, like he just had oh, yeah. complete control, and it's so weird, and it's funny, and it's a it, it's off the wall, and you know, I mean, uh, uh, Michael Keaton, um, Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder, uh, uh, Catherine O'Hara, yep. 
the the pedophile, um, <laughs> the Ferris Bueller principle yeah, pedophile. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he's a little stain on this movie, but yep. Uh, Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis. Uh, it's it's such a the concept is so simple. You know, there's a couple that dies, doesn't realize they're dead. Right. A new family moves into their house, and they <laughs> trying to get rid of them. Um, but you slap Tim Burton on it, and all of a sudden there's, you know, the afterlife is a waiting room. Everyone looks like, you know, they have to spend eternity looking like how they died. Yeah, the guy that was flattened. You have the, yeah. the lady was cut in half. Yeah, and- the guy has a chicken bone in his neck. Fern That's Dock. A- <laughs> it's a chicken bone. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and it's one of those characters where you just want, there's no really backstory to him. There's a little right. bit, um, but he just kind of comes on the scene and he's just this weird character that causes all kinds of mayhem. And yeah, it's, it's another, it's another movie that anytime, you know, I see it or it's on, I'll just sit down and watch it. Cause right. it's just so enjoyable. Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones. That's yeah. that's your pedophile yeah. right there. So who's the guy that played uh the fashion designer? Otho? Otho. His name is Glenn Shaddix. Glenn Shaddix. He was, I only know him other from Seinfeld. And he recently died too. That's right, he died too. Well, all these people. Di- well, he died not recently, I guess, but two thousand ten. Oh, okay. He actually died. So he actually he did the voice of the mayor, speaking of another Tim Burton. Uh, vehicle. He did the mayor in the Nightmare Before Christmas. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's Glenn Shattuck. And that's another thing with Tim Burton. He kind of keeps the same people around. He and, does. Yeah. He has a very <laughs> specific group of people that he likes to work yeah. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Beetlejuice is his aesthetic. With that and Nightmare Before Christmas, you watch those two films, you know what Tim Burton's about yes. because that's Tim Burton. Yep. Even though he didn't direct. Remember, he did not direct Nightmare Before Christmas. He did not. <laughs> but he did create it. Yeah. More or less. So Yeah. And it's and I just like the juxtaposition between like the real world, kind of real world, yeah. and this crazy freaky afterlife <laughs> and that they keep going back and forth and it's just And it's it, yeah. there's no straight lines or straight angles in this afterlife. No. It's all and then for some reason you have giant sandworms, which make no sense. No. To, <laughs> and why Beetlejuice so, fears it behind, yeah. behind, you know, above anything. So they really played into the sandworm in the uh, animated version of Beetlejuice. Yes, the animated series. That's right, they do. For some reason, sandworms are everywhere. But no, no, I, I, yeah, I'm like you. If it's on, I will thoroughly enjoy it. But so often I forget to watch it. Right. Because I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. I know I will. And I have it, and I own it. Yeah, it's like, I just forget to watch it. It's like, oh, why yeah. don't I watch this more? I oh, love yeah. this film, Beetlejuice. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, and and it's not like, it's not like it's this huge long movie. Like you have to set aside time for like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing. Right. It's like you just sit down and watch it, and it's done. Yeah. It's a little less than an hour and a half, you know, but thoroughly enjoyable. And it also another great soundtrack moment with uh, Harry Belafonte. Yes. Um, jump in the line. Yep. Which is a fantastic, fantastic song. Sorry. Also, the, the Banana Boat song. Yep. Dancing Around the Table. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Catherine O'Hara's best, apart from Home Alone, 
this is her best yep. out of anything she's done. Agreed. And really, that's all I can remember her from are those two films. And and Shit's Creek, recent, most recently. True. She's really good in Shit's yes. Creek. Yeah. But she she did not do us any favors in uh, whose line is it anyway? She. <laughs> She's not the best ad libber out there. She's n- she's but- not. <laughs> That's true. I forgot she did that. She did. Yeah. For a little bit, but yeah. She's no Colin Mockery. Say well, that. Who is? That's right. Except for Colin Mockery. Except for Colin Mockery. Which is funny because she comes from an improv background. So you would think that'd be right up her alley. Was but- she Second City? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with all those guys. Eugene Levy, John Candy. Um yeah. Rick Moranis, all those guys. Yep. Oh, that's right. She. Oh, that's right. She and Eugene Levy were always, mm-hmm. always together. Yeah. That's right. When those that series of movies started coming, like the Dog Show one, the Christopher Guest movies. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They were always together. Yep. All right. So I might take that back because she was really good in those films <laughs> as well. That. Oh, what was it called? Quick side. What is that? Another one of those where they were all folk singers. What is Mighty Wind? There you go, the Mighty Wind. Yep, I really enjoy that film as well. But all right, so where was I? Okay, this next, this next one, and I'll tell you why it's it's on my list and why it's influential. Okay, and this is from two thousand eight, animated film, another Jim Carrey vehicle, which is Horton Hears a Who. Yeah. I love Horton Hears a Who. And the reason it's on my list is because when I saw it in the theater, it was a little later showing. I was kind of tired. I think you were with me. I may have been. I think it was like me, you, and Katie. It may have been because I remember sitting in the back of the theater. Yeah. But it, it was later. I was, I was kind of tired. And when that movie, when it hit the scene of the mayor going to the dentist <laughs> and Horton... At the same time, trying to cross that bridge, I have never laughed so hard <laughs> as I did at that scene, yeah. and I don't know why. Yeah. I haven't laughed that hard since when I watched the film. I'll still laugh, mm-hmm. but I was crying. Yeah, it was so funny, and I don't know why. Maybe because just I was I was a little tired, but. When he's holding his breath and you see his trunk all blown up and you think he's floating <laughs> and it cuts back and it's just, his legs are going nuts across this bridge, just breaking everything as he walks through. <laughs> and, then, and then the dentist, you know, trying to give the mayor a shot and he's just inching his way closer and the mayor keeps trying to back up. <laughs> and everything keeps shaking and he ends up giving him a shot in the arm and it dies. And it's just... <laughs> And he, he shoots the uh, the the little water rinser thing right right in his eyeball, but he ends up spitting water out of his mouth anyway. <laughs> that whole scene just has me rolling every time, and and really that's why it's on this list for me because up until that point, in recent memory, there was only one other film that made me cry that hard, laughing. And the other one was Liar Liar, Liar which was Liar. another Jim Carrey yep. film. Yep. And those are the only two that is so weird that had just that it made me laugh mm-hmm. like that. And and it's a memory for me and it's just in the right frame of mind, it just shows me what an actual just a family friendly animated film can do. 
and you know it's just turn your mind off and just laugh yeah and it was it's fantastic so yep. I, and not necessarily memorable not necessarily <clears throat> quotable right people remember katie from it yep you know the creepy little fuzzball you have no idea what she is mm -hmm. but apparently she can float yep you know and she eats the leaf bug <laughs> and just <sighs> and it's just so odd oddball but uh yeah just yeah. and then carol burnett is the kangaroo and it was just it was fantastic so yeah it's i've seen that movie once one time one time uh, when we were in the theater that's the only time i've ever you've seen only that ever film. seen the yep. theater yep <laughs> Might have to go there back go. and rewatch that. Revisit it. Might be worth a rewatch. So, um, all right. So next one on my list. Um, this is the one I was I was juggling back and forth what to put on here. It was like between this one and Dick Tracy. Mm -hmm. But I I went with this one, The Adams Family. The Adams Family, nineteen ninety one. Another Tim Burton. I don't think it was. Are you sure? I'm. I don't. I'm pretty sure. He okay. wanted to do. I think they asked him to do it, but no, it was uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Oh, that's right. Yep. 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 Well, he's doing Wednesday now on Netflix. That's so. true. Anyway, yeah, he's getting his claws into it now. Um, yeah, he wanted to do it, but he was doing Batman Returns at the time. Okay, that's what it was. Got it. But uh, yeah, obviously, this was a movie that you know, uh, it's from the. Um, kind of a reboot of the 1960s TV show, mm -hmm. which was based off of the old Charles Adams comics from the newspapers. Yep. Um, and again, it's it's kind of offbeat and it's kind of weird, and oh, yeah. it takes place in the real world. But <laughs> you go into this the Adams Mansion, and all of a sudden it's like a freak show in there. Oh yeah. Got a you know severed hand running around. You have a <laughs> polar bear rug that's alive. <laughs> you know you have a I, implied some lion that lives down in the basement, um, and it's just crazy. But at, at but at the the core of it is this family that completely accepts each other. Oh yeah, for who they are, their weird eccentricities. You know, um, the fact that the two siblings, two kids, are literally trying to kill each other. <laughs> um, but you know, it's that's that's who they are, and and they all accept each other, and it's it's weird, but it and at the same time, it's kind of a it's kind of a sweet little film. It is. It's all. It's another one that's very family oriented. They yeah. end up, you know banding together to try to find a missing family member. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are generally concerned. I mean, as much as they have no problem with each other trying to kill each other. Right. <laughs> once one of them goes missing, you know, they all come together to, mm -hmm. you know, they all freak out and, and, and want to track her down. And Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, you had, I mean, Raul Julia. Christopher oh, Lloyd, <laughs> they had the best chemistry together. They did. Um, Angelica Houston, um, a young Christina Ricci. Um, yep. I don't remember the kid who played Pugsley. Yep. I don't remember his name, but anyway, I think he's still around. He is. But it's just, uh, you know, it, it. It's just another, 
as weird as it sounds, another another feel good movie. <laughs> um, even even with the back soundtrack of MC Hammer. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, Batman had Prince, but you know, <laughs> take it, you know, take for what it's worth. But it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun film, and um, yep. you know, like I said, it, it's weird and it's gothic and it's macabre, but it's <laughs> it's about a family. It is. Jimmy Workman is his name. Jimmy who Workman. Pugsley. Okay. And the reason that I, I wanted to look it up, because I swear I saw something on him recently, is because he had a birthday on October 4th. Oh, okay. And so he's now 42 years old. 42. Two years younger than me. The little pudgy kid from Adam's That's family. That's it. And he's, he's not so much anymore. A little bit, but not so much. But. Well, Christina Ricci, I mean, she's in her 40s too, I think. Well, this is interesting. I didn't know right now. I'm just finding out right now. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with uh, Modern Family? Yes. You're familiar with Ariel Winter? Yes. It's her older brother. Really? They're siblings. They are. Oh. Surprise, surprise. He is the older brother of Ariel Winter. Huh. So Interesting. Okay. There you go. Learn some. This is a sitting on your head exclusive right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> breaking news for those of you who weren't aware. Huh. Yeah, Pugsley I'd... is the older brother of what's her name from Modern Family? I don't remember her name in Modern Family. Alex Dunphy. There you go, Alex Dunphy. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, again, it's another movie, you know, I remember watching so so often. I watched it all the time as a kid. The second one, eh, it has its moments. It does, but I think the first one is a much better film. Oh yeah, yeah. the The only one, the only thing about that second film is Raúl Julia's monologue in the police station. Right. That's the only thing memorable. <laughs> right. It's right. Like, and up to this moment, I have never seen you. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And and the whole you know Thanksgiving thing with the kids at camp and yeah. but. Uh, no, I I absolutely love Adam Sandler, and like you said, Raul Julia and Christopher Lloyd they carry this film. They do. I mean, they're dynamic as brothers and long lost brothers, and reconnecting as brothers. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a fantastic film, and Dan Hedaya. That's that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised yeah, I remember his name. Me too. But, uh, I'm surprised I know who you're talking about. <laughs> um, for those you don't know, he plays their. Uh, what is he? Accountant. Accountant. Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> Carrying a briefcase of d- gold doubloons. That's right. <laughs> Probably weighs about seventy-five pounds. They're the balloons from the Adams of, from the Adams account. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, that's a good film. And uh, and uh, Lurch. I can't remember his name, but Lurch. Yeah, big big tall guy. And I'm surprised he is so much. Like the original Lurch, mm-hmm. I'm shocked they're not related. Yeah, or like father and son because they could not have found a better individual yeah. than him. I think he's still alive too. He is he's still around. Yep. And the only other role I know him from is Star Trek: Next Generation as yeah. the walks on a Troy's little you know manservant. Yeah, the, the little little manserv- yeah, it's great big tall manservant. But. Yep. Fantastic. And that was only one of three Raul Julia films I've ever seen. It's Is that it? one, Adam's Family 2, and Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I, I guess is 
is kind of an insult to his legacy because I think he's been in some really good films. But that's what they say, and he's also a legend on stage. Yeah, he's a very accomplished stage actor. Yep. So, yeah, that's a shame that he passed too. But all right. So for me, my next one, we're about to uh, take a depressing turn. Okay. For me, <laughs> this came from 1993, mm-hmm. and it's a little film in black and white called Schindler's List. Ooh. Now, this is going to bring down the tone of the podcast, (laughs) but it struck me just for the out-and-out reality and cruelty of war. Right. When people are left to just run wild with power, unchecked. Yeah. And what can happen given that opportunity mm-hmm. and just the sheer amount of just unchecked hatred and prejudice and for no other reason than a slight difference. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's the only reason. And and that was enough reason to completely slaughter, mm-hmm. you know, thousands and thousands of people. Yep. And it just, it, it blew me away. And then to have one individual try so hard to make a difference and to actually make that difference mm-hmm. in the midst of all this depressing, you know, stuff going on is just it's it's outstanding that he could do that, but at the same time depressing that more people weren't trying. Yeah. And so you want to root for Liam Neeson's character as a hero, but at the same time you're so angry that he was put in that position in the first place that anybody had to be put in that position it just it's it's nightmarish mm-hmm. to think that there are that the human condition can take you to that point yeah can take anybody to that point is depressing yeah and then to see it portrayed as realistically as it did with with Rafe Fines as just a horrible human being mm-hmm. um and to take it to that level is just, it will stick with you. And this is the one, like I was saying, I've seen it once and we watched it in school in a current events class mm-hmm. or social studies, I guess you could say. And we had to sign a permission slip to be able to watch it because of the violence. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is nudity, but it's not sexual nudity. No. It's forced, you know, de-lousing before you go into gas chamber kind of nudity. Yes, there's nothing sensual about it, and it's it's nightmarish. Yeah, but it will stick with you. This one, and um, if you haven't seen American History X, oh my gosh, I wouldn't if I were yeah, you. And, yeah, and, you know, unless you just want to see the bleak side of the human condition. Yeah, those yes. two films for me. Oh my gosh, I wish I had. It's weird. I wish I'd never seen them, but I'm glad I saw them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's probably the bleakest. I know it is because we're almost to the end of this list. The bleakest <laughs> entry on my list for that one. So interesting fact about Schindler's List. Um, I mean, Spielberg was filming that at the same time he was doing uh, post production on Jurassic Park. <laughs> So he's doing, Jeez. yeah, same time, kind of 
diametrically different films, but yes, two completely different worlds yeah. there. And he used Spielberg used Schindler's List because uh, he never graduated college, right? But he went back for like a film studies class and used that film as his thesis. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he handed it in, said, "Here's my thesis," and it was Schindler's List, <laughs> his like, own film. That's fantastic. It's like, yeah, you pass. You're, we're good. It's like you're Steven Spielberg. Just, just ask us. We'll give you a diploma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Wow. But yeah, def- definitely one to bring down the mood. You, a little bit. You, yeah. You talk to anybody. You bring up Schindler's List, no matter what mood they're in, they're like, oh. Mm. So. <laughs> um. All right. Then I got one last one here. Do you have one? I do. How many did I have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, maybe I did put 11 on there. All right, never mind. Well, and we also did the great outdoors thing where we both had that. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah. I skipped a little something there. But okay. anyway, yeah, I have one last one last one here. Okay. Uh, Clue. Clue. Yes. From 88. Oh, Clue's fantastic. It's so good. It's... It's a film that wasn't appreciated when it first came out. Actually, I'm pretty sure it bombed. But over the years, once people have been finding it and realizing how funny it is, oh, yeah. it's, it's gained this cult status. Um, but we were kind of clue hipsters, our family. Because we've had that movie in the house <laughs> long as I can remember. Yes. Um, but again, another Tim Curry film. Yep. Um, uh, who else is in? Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Um, Richard Mull. Richard Mull. Uh, um, um, oh, what the heck is his name? He was in Spinal Tap. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Him, him, Harry Shearer, and Christopher Guest. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the heck is his name? Gosh, dang it. I just lost it. But Christopher Lloyd is also yeah, in it. That's right. Christopher Lloyd's in it. Yep. Uh, obviously, it's based off of the board game. Yep. But it's one of those where they they take the premise, which is a fairly serious premise of somebody getting murdered, <laughs> but they take it and turn it into this ridiculous comedy. Yes. Which is what it is. It's a slapstick, ridiculous comedy. It is. Susan Sarandon's in it. Susan Sarandon. And... <laughs> or not Susan Sarandon. I know who you're thinking, but it's not Susan Sarandon. It's Leslie Ann Warren is who you're thinking about. I think Susan Sarandon's in it, too. Eileen Brennan and Leslie Ann Warren. What? hmm What? Yeah. Because you're thinking Miss Scarlet? That wasn't Susan Sarandon. It's Leslie Ann Warren. So I'm just learning this. <laughs> just now. This whole time, I thought that was Susan Sarandon. <laughs> yeah. It's wow. she. She was very familiar, but uh, yeah, they are very similar. Um, Michael McKeon is who you're. Who you're Michael McKeon. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's right. So Madeline Kahn, Leslie Ann Warren, Eileen Brennan, um, Christopher Lloyd. Um, yeah, but it's just leaving. Lee Ving. That's his name. Oh. He plays Mr. Body. Okay, interesting. His name is Lee Ving. That's his name. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so it it's so funny to watch this movie progress and they're so shocked with these murders and then people keep dying and they just <laughs> can just don't care anymore. 
They're just chucking bodies into rooms and That's right. It oh, it, it becomes so commonplace yeah. throughout the movie they're like, uh and another <laughs> dead body. So And Tim Curry is a force of nature in that film. Oh my gosh. His whole massive dialogue. Yeah. Well, there she is. Leslie Ann Warren. But uh thirty seven years. I thought that was Susan Sarandon. <laughs> it was Leslie Ann Warren. Um that that whole dialogue he does at the end is so good and rapid fire and, and so fast it yeah. shows his talent as, yeah. as an actor and and that you can tell that he was enjoying himself in this film mm-hmm. he just loved what he was doing yep. and <laughs> every time i watch it i will laugh i mean i'll laugh throughout the whole thing but with him, where he says, runs down the hall, <laughs> and you know, with the knife, I will laugh every time yep. really hard at that scene. So, Yeah. I mean, and, and Madeline Kahn is... Oh, she's fantastic. Oh, she, yeah, there's another one, unfortunately, we've lost. But, um, yeah, her explaining the rage she has. <laughs> Flames yeah. on the side of my face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and the little things that you pick up after, because uh, a lot of the comedy, though it is broad, yeah. but there are some con- comedy that's so subtle that you don't pick up on until you've watched it a few times. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, it it it's a movie that you have that I've had to buy like on VHS, DVD. I've watched it online. Oh yeah. Like yeah. Yeah yeah. I mean, if. It's one of those that if you know, you know. I mean, yep. you, you just you love it. Yep. You absolutely love it. Even even I would I would say if you haven't ever seen it and you watch it, you're going to enjoy mm-hmm. it. I yeah, mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't like that film. Yeah. When they see it. It's just funny. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, yep. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> <laughs> if it's been a while, go back and rewatch it. Yes. But yeah, it's a great film. Yeah, that was that was my last one. All right. Well, I had. Let me see. Maybe did I put eleven? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, I did have ten. Well, yeah, maybe because we we crossed paths. But yeah. um, let me just run through this before I get to my top one. There was one more okay. I had, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's fairly inappropriate. But the reason it's on my list, it's a movie from 1995, and it's called Playtime. I've never heard of this. I know. And I'll tell you why you haven't. Okay. Is because it's basically a softcore porn film. Oh. Um, I right. found it at Hastings on VHS um, okay. after I got my membership card. And I saw the cover of this thing. And I'm like, I'm going to watch this. Mm-hmm. And so when I watched it, and I'm going to be honest, and this may be TMI for some people. It ticked the boxes for me with everything I enjoy about sexuality. And it was really an awakening Interesting. for me. I mean, up to that point, obviously, I, I had seen other things and, mm-hmm. and talked about other things. But this, it sparked something which really kind of kindled an, a real interest in certain aspects of sexuality for me. Hmm. Okay. And if if you want a general premise, I'll give it to you like this. Two couples are sharing a house. The guys go off and play golf. 
the girls discover their own sexuality via consensual voyeurism. If you want to consensual voyeurism, watching each other. Okay. If you want to, you know, run with that. <laughs> so interesting. It it's not quotable. It's not necessarily memorable, but it's on my list because it hit me right. as this is what I enjoy. Yeah. yeah, for you in your life. That's right. It's stuck with you. And I will say this. If you go to its IMDb page and you scroll down to quotes, there's only one quote on there, mm-hmm. and it's one I put there. Really? Years ago. The only quote on its IMDb page is what there. I put there. I'm yeah. the one that edited it and put it on there. Let's see. Let's see. You're scrolling down, scrolling down, storyline. Do you know quotes? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's still only one. Yep. Gina, you know, think about writing that people are always trying to give you advice and guidance. Is just sometimes you just need to go into your room and just do it by yourself. Lindsay. Sounds like my sex life lately. Yep. The only quote on there, and that's what I put there. That's that's funny. And it's still the only one there. It is. It is. It's the only one. And I guess the only, if you want to consider a well-known actress from that film, mm-hmm. is an actress by the name of Monique Parent is her name. Okay. And uh, she did a lot of kind of softcore erotic kind of <laughs> films yeah. throughout the 90s and whatnot. No, the, the 90s had a lot of those. They did. They did. And, and you can actually still find her nowadays on YouTube, but she does like hair and makeup tutorials. Hmm, okay. It's like going gray gracefully kind of thing and right. whatnot. Even though she's really not that old. I think 50s maybe? Um, but, uh, she was born in 65. There you go. So however, the, however old that makes her. Yeah, so she's... So in 2025, she'll be 60 years old. Okay. So... So late but, 50s. Uh, yeah. So the I'd say the, the only other thing about this film, with those who have seen it or know about it, there was an urban legend that went around about it that the two of them, when they were... I'm just going to say it getting off in front of each other is that the the urban legend was that they actually did it it was real it was real but both of them said no it wasn't but you know that that's the legend so. right, right, right. <laughs> okay interesting but yeah it's it was something and i don't i have not seen it if if lady wife is listening <laughs> i have not seen it since we had been married, <laughs> so I didn't. I this is the first time you've ever mentioned this. Oh yeah. So apparently it's, you've just kind of kept it secret with you right. this whole time. <laughs> it, you know, it's my guilty pleasure back in the day. Okay, long time ago, but yeah. So I first <laughs> I had Blake check me out with that film because he was working at Hastings. That's right. He worked at Hastings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he looked at it like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to watch it. So, But then I had him watch it. He's like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> But then the last one, yeah, you know what it is. I know what it is. And it's The Princess Bride. Yep, 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 yep. And, uh, you know, I could go off for an hour explaining why. But this film for me is just, it's it's the epitome of what an enjoyable fantasy film 
storytelling, you know, just let your mind go and then just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, just it's friendly. It's such it's a friendly film. Yes. And it's it's I don't know another word for it. I want to say easy, soft. Easy, I mean, sure. it's just, yeah. you know, these are the words that come to mind. There's nothing offensive about it. Mm -mm. There is nothing. There is not a single scene in this film that you couldn't watch with your 99-year-old grandma that you couldn't watch with your 5-year-old. Yep. I mean, it's and it goes across the generations mm -hmm. for me. I mean, you you can put it in and as long as your kid isn't easily bored, I think. Right. Because it it can be, you know, if they're not into whole storytelling because it's a love story. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest. You know, the prince and the princess and that kind of thing. And so people often wonder, well, why is it your favorite then? Because seriously. Yeah. You know, as, as a 44-year-old male, why is The Princess Bride your favorite film? It's like, it's hard for me to say other than it's just so enjoyable and so easy to watch. And it's another one that I've always known about. Yeah. I mean, since it came out, 1987... It did not succeed at the box office, but once it hit VHS and went word of mouth, it, like Oscar and Clue, took on a cult status. Yes. And a following that once you see it and you know it, you'll love it. Yeah. And you will constantly quote it nonstop. <laughs> Even those of you who haven't seen it know this line, mm -hmm. Mowage. Yep. Everybody knows that line. Yep. Do they know what movie it's from? Probably not, but they know that phrase. And... And then they'll carry Elvis. They see his face. If they don't know him from Saw, they know him from The Princess yep. Bride. So, but it it that movie is ingrained in my brain and will always be there yep. as my all time favorite and most influential film for me. So, when you're on your deathbed and the last few <laughs> synopses are firing off, you're gonna <laughs> see The Princess Bride. I will. And that'll be it. I will say this also about The Princess Bride. It seems everybody that was on it, that made it, had such a great time making this film. Um, I've seen very recently, just in the last week, there's been a couple interviews with Mandy Patinkin. He still gets emotional talking about this film. Yeah. And talking about the fight scene with him and Wesley. and about Because that was the last scene they shot in the film. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's, I yeah. think that's correct. Yep. And he said that when... Rob Reiner said cut print he he almost couldn't handle it because it was done it was over yeah um and Carrie Elwes he got so involved in that fight in learning that sword fighting they show that in fencing classes right because that's how experienced and how good he got at it yeah he's like if you want to see appropriate pro pro posture and how to sword fight and how to fence watch this mm -hmm. film because they did it for real. Yes. I and mean, they were taught by yep. actual sword fighting experts. And yep. They went completely all in. So, And, uh, I mean, and, and it speaks a lot to that film that, that Carrie Elwes has been dining out on this film now this entire <laughs> time. Oh, yeah. And he still loves talking about it. He and does. And he wrote a whole book about it, which if you yeah. haven't heard or read that book, seek it out yeah i listened to it on audiobook and it's so entertaining it's it so is. good just his stories about andre the giant yeah. he could go on for hours yep and it's hilarious mm -hmm. or, or <laughs> the story of of the little person that was in the rus costume yeah 
I mean, that's a hilarious story to listen to. Yep. I mean, just for such a simple film to have so many mm -hmm. stories to tell, it was it's just fantastic. And Andre the Giant is just amazing in it. I yeah. mean I mean, if you just know him from wrestling or whatnot, do yourself a favor and watch this film because you may not appreciate wrestling, but you will love him as this character. Yes. Because you, it's almost like this is what you see him as as a real person. You yeah. think, I bet you this is how he was in real <laughs> life. You know, just this big, lovable guy. Yeah. And from what Carrie always says, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. It's almost like he wasn't acting. That was just him. Mm -hmm. Apart from, you know, not being drunk 18, 19 hours a day, sure, apparently. Sure. So. <laughs> yeah. And then Wallace Shawn, I mean, and, and everybody, almost everybody from, you know, varying degrees have a very successful career after this. Yeah. And they all did. Yeah. Christopher Guest, Chris Sarandon. Um, speaking of Tim Burton, there you go. The talking voice of Jack Skellington. Yep. But, uh, yeah, Peter Falk, Fred Savage. I mean, it's just, it's it's fantastic. Robin Wright. Yeah, and everybody in that in that film was just cast perfectly. They were. Perfectly. Yeah. They were all, you know, they just went full bore. You can obviously tell it was a cheaper budget. Yeah, sure. Um, and I swear, up until recent copies of the movie, there was a scene where he was trying to find the pit of despair, and you actually saw the boom mic. <laughs> I right. swear, at right. one point you saw the boom mic up above it, right? Like in a in in an earlier letterbox version. I swear I did. But um, I mean, regardless, it's it's just it's it's a fun watch. It's yeah. enjoyable all the way across the board. So yeah, well, there you go. That would be our. 10 to 11, possible 13 <laughs> influential films that have ingrained their selves yeah. into our conscious, subconscious. I can't believe I didn't put the burbs on there. <laughs> it still blows my mind. It's been a while since you've seen it. Yeah. Most likely. It's been a while since I've seen it. <laughs> and that... My illusion was shattered a little bit on that film, knowing that that whole street is just a one big giant set. Yeah. And they've used it in so many other movies. My gosh dang it. And it's right next to Whoville. <laughs> that's right. And it's just like, oh, it's not a cool stream. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Yeah, you see it on the Universal Backlot Tour. Yeah. It's like, oh, dang it. Yeah, kind of kind of shatters the illusion yeah. there for you. But. but then you can build it up to know that the street used in Edward Scissorhands is a real-life neighborhood. Yes. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, can, you can go watch. You can go to that one, so. Oh, Edward Scissorhands. Oh. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do this episode again. <laughs> Part we'll, two. Yeah, we'll revisit it. So, um, Well, thanks for listening, if you did. Um, if you like this uh, podcast, you know, uh, check us out on all the other platforms you get your podcasts on. Um, find us on social media. Um, share us. Share us. Share us with anybody who you'd want to hear about, you yep. know, who thinks... You know, you want to hear two brothers ramble about movies or <laughs> yep. whatever. So, um, And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, next week we're going to be talking a little sports. Going to sport for a little bit. That'll be interesting, so tune in for that. Um, and until next time, tune in to hear the brothers ramble about another topic. We'll, we'll see, see you. you.